0: Hi everybody and welcome to Words Over Whiskey podcast episode 16. I am your host Henry and as always I'm joined by co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? I'm good. How are you Henry? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, very good. It's been very nice to have some really nice weather recently. We've had a big old week of sunshine which has been very nice to sit out and read in the garden. I've actually gone
1: outside my flat as well and (laughs) experienced the outside world for what might be the first time in months.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, it is really nice to uh, to be able to, Just to get outside and out. do something. Yeah, particularly with a book and a, a nice s- cider or glass beer whiskey, as well. Now maybe. that the um, glass of whiskey, well, now that the pubs are open again, or at least the outside areas. Although I wasn't one of the first people to <laughs> rush back, I was like, I'll leave it a few no, days. I was probably thinking it's going to be
1: super busy and you need to book a table, and I was. I waited a week and had a nice, a few nice chill sessions at the pub, but nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, one local to me. <laughs> you you drive, we drove
0: drove past it on the first day that they were open again at like midday, and the people were already queuing queuing up to get inside. And you're just like,
1: <laughs> you know, where around where you live, Henry? There's not many pubs at all, <laughs> to be honest. It's the, is that the only one? No, there's there's
0: uh, there's two, but then there's like another sort of there's two pubs and then two kind of bars in a way as well so there's quite a few places to drink but this this is like the popular one where i live and so people queuing up Uh, to get into it or at least get a table outside Uh, yeah (laughs) i wasn't one of the first ones to be queuing up but i did i did go a few days later with a couple of friends and that was quite nice so yes this episode we have another scotch Whiskey, we have a Highland Single Malt, Glengoyne, Glen 10 years. Now, mm-hmm. I haven't had this one before, not yet at least. Right, let's open this up then.
1: <laughs> We're struggling to open it, but the lid's stuck. <laughs> That's why I do a little bit before the episode, so I don't embarrass myself on air. That's a nice, healthy dram, I think.
0: Oh, I, I can smell it already. That mm, smells good. Really strong smell, hasn't it? Yeah, that it smells really nice, though. Right, let's, let's do a smell test, then. Oh, I like that. That smells very nice.
1: I'd say a little bit sweet, maybe a hint of smokiness.
0: I'm definitely getting... To, to me, it's kind of like uh like honeycomb or sh- almost a bit like champagne that's the kind of
1: yeah i can see the champagne
0: it's, yeah yeah that's the kind of smell i'm getting from it mm. that, that is very nice on the nose mm. right ready for a taste test
1: yeah i like that oh that goes down easy mm. that is that does go down really easily, like you say, but I also think it's a little bit smoky, so I'm, I'm sort of on the fence whether I would say this is a nice smoky whiskey or a smooth whiskey. Let me have a look at the box. I can't, I don't think it's peated. It's usually a peated whiskey you'd associate with a bit of smoke. Multi finish, that might be what I'm thinking. Touch of soft oak. Not that I'm complaining about either Either option. It's a really nice whiskey. I just can't tell which one of it is.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't think it's peated, so I don't think I wouldn't say smoky because compare it to like other smoky whiskies that you've had. I well, I, true. I don't. I wouldn't class it as a smoky whisky. That's
1: in that case, I'm getting the um, the oak, the, the, the flavour of oak really strongly. Mm. Maybe associated with barbecue, oak smoked <laughs> uh, meat or something. I was gonna say, kind of on the finish, it's almost a bit. I don't
0: know, butters, butterscotchy, maybe or it's nice. That that yeah goes down
1: really smoothly. I could definitely see myself having a few glasses of these in the evening.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say let's have a look at the box. Uh, so, uh, so a glorious golden, clean and bright flavour with a multi finish. So maybe that was the sort of notes you were picking up at the end, and then notes yeah. of fresh green apples, toffee, and a hint of nuttiness, and with a touch of soft oak. So maybe the toffee was the sort of butterscotch flavour I was getting. Although, interesting, like I said, the, I thought it smelled sort of honeycomby, but there's no mention of honey or anything like that. Mm. I think it's it's interesting what other people pick up from so, it. Yeah,
1: because I, I definitely would have said it smells a bit sweet. And on the bottle I've got, it says something about toffee. But what's, I heard you say honeycomb, and I was like, um not sore Henry but then again I yeah. said smokiness and you were like not sore at all Tom
0: yeah it's, it is interesting what different <laughs> different things people get from it I, as the, I find when uh, like people are describing drinks and stuff uh, uh, often like if if you if you don't get something straight away and someone starts saying oh it tastes sort of vanilla-y and um, I'm getting a scent of such and such then you'll maybe subconsciously you'll start to see the same thing as well and you'll agree with them
1: mm.
0: so but yeah uh, it is quite fun comparing notes like seeing seeing if what you taste and smell is then said on the bottle as well in their tasting notes and sometimes we pick out a few then other times we're completely off the mark and we get our own different flavors in a away from it but
1: we're I off the mark that... today, we've gone off on our own <laughs> tangent Yeah, yeah It's, it's, like, it's like we've tried a different whiskey to what, the, mm. what is packaged, what's it meant
0: to be packaged yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying this, I think uh, I would definitely pick this up again, this is really quite nice
1: I've finished two of the glass already <laughs> I
0: was going to say, out of the two of us I think you're kind of you more inclined to go for a peatier whiskey, whereas I kind of like yeah. the smoother, more flavoursome ones Anyway, that leads us on to our whisky trivia. Oh, what have you got for a today, bit of, Henry? Ready for a bit of trivia? Yeah. Right. Quick question for you. Can you remember what, what the mim- minimum number of years that a Scotch whisky has to be matured for? I'm going to guess 10. A little bit lower than that. Nine. A little bit lower than that. Eight. Are you, are you just going to keep going down by one?
1: Well, well, you did say only a little bit lower, so
0: yeah. A bit, okay, a bit lower than, quite a bit lower than that. One. Not that low. <laughs> <laughs> this is You've had this question before, Tom. When we did our, when we did that whole, when we started the Whiskey Trivia, there were a whole ten questions, and this was one of the questions on there.
1: Was that over a year ago?
0: It was only about four or five months ago.
1: Oh, like, that, that's already way too long for my brain to remember it. Okay. It. All right, then. I was, tra- I was, trying, to, I was t- t- trying to test... No. Oh, I, I give up. I
0: give up. Tell me. Uh, I was trying to test you to see if you could remember, see if you're taking the taking wisdom in, in the wisdom. Well, if I knew this, was going to be a
1: test, and I'd have taken notes, wouldn't I?
0: <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yes. You'll be marked and graded at the end of the year.
1: Shit. Do I at least get a degree after this? Uh, I can... I
0: could probably whip up if a fancy you give you piece of... you nine grand a year, then maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I could whip up a fancy piece of paper to give to you if you pay me nine grand.
1: Well, uh, it, 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 it won't increase or decrease my chances any more than an actual degree would, I'm afraid. i getting the job, that is. Shots fired at yep. everyone with a degree. So, did you have some useful risky trivia then before I hijacked your speech? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so
0: the minimum to... We've covered it on a previous episode, but the minimum number of years that a Scotch whisky needs to be matured to be considered a Scotch whisky is three years. And of course, it has to be matured in Scotland. Hence three? The name. Three minimum of yeah, three years. That's more than a little years. bit
1: lower than ten. That's more than a little bit lower than ten.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to go, ten, and then nine, eight. Seven. I was expecting maybe to go. Okay, ten. and Then maybe you five. sort you have then... said
1: other end of the. You should have said much lower. Then I would have said one, two, or three. <laughs>
0: I was just seeing how long it took you to get the answer. <laughs> anyway, so the way that th- three-year uh, mark came around was in nineteen fifteen, which so in nineteen fifteen, uh, the Immature Spirits Act was introduced or implemented. It was implemented by David Lord George. Uh, David, sorry. David Lloyd, George. David Lloyd George, who, uh, yeah, he was a teetotal, which means he, he didn't drink, didn't consume alcohol. And uh, the, act oh, made it, <laughs> the act made it compulsory for Scotch whiskey to be matured for a, a minimum of two years. But this was then increased to three years in the, the year following it, so 20, in 1916. Um, and instead of diminishing the industry, the Scot- uh, the whiskey industry, it actually helped improve the product quality, and established whiskey as a premium product. So instead of harming the industry, it actually helped <laughs> improve the whiskey quality.
1: <laughs> that must the long- have annoyed Lloyd George.
0: Yeah, because I think he was hoping to diminish uh, the whiskey industry, and it actually helped <laughs> improve it. So <laughs> it was. I thought it was thought quite
1: interesting.
0: A yeah, because I. Before I found this out, I I was, I, I, I knew Scotch whisky had to be matured for three years, but I didn't know the reasoning for it. I thought, oh, maybe it's uh, it, it was they found it improved the quality, but it was the fact that it was there was a law
1: to make it <laughs> a law trying to um, sabotage uh, it in a way. It yeah, sabotage improving whisky. The whisky just turned around and goes no, and it gets even better.
0: Yeah. So I thought that's that that was quite interesting when I learnt about that yes so it's there pretty, you go pretty interesting pretty interesting trivia yeah. Henry now in, a, in a, a few months time again Tom I'm going to ask you how many years does Scotch whisky have to be been
1: cheered for I <laughs> uh, see I'll, I'll be prepared for this I'll have a note on my wall opposite where we, where I record our my half of the podcast saying uh, three years but I will have forgotten <laughs> what the three years means
0: <laughs> until like... you
1: ask me that question I'll be like oh oh yes three years three years yeah. got it all prepared Henry all planned out
0: Mm.
1: Anyway, so we're in April now, and at the start of
0: April, we had quite an exciting book release, Tom, didn't we?
1: Yes! Be Pleasant.
0: What, Dead, Dead or, or Alive. Alive. Yeah, so, one of our favourite authors, Derek Landy, released the latest in his long-running Skullduggery series. So, it was, I, I almost forgot it. I almost forgot that we'd both read it, because it came out at the start of the month and we're now recording at the end of the month and it's like oh I saw it on my shelf right next I was like oh better and better make sure to include that in the podcast
1: to be fair I've read all the books that I was supposed to read for this episode at the beginning of the month as well so I've already forgotten what all of those are <laughs> in fact I think I've started reading my books for the next episode and finished those already Is <laughs> ahead of the game I'm, I'm way too ahead of the game I'm still in, I'm still in my mind is in the future as far as podcasting goes Three, three years in the future. <laughs> yes, he'll find ways of remembering. Three years. Three years in the future. What did you think of Dead or Alive, Henry?
0: Right, spoiler free. Spoiler free first. And uh, we will include notes for spoilers as well so you can skip over those if you do intend to read the book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. He Just 600 pages and he jam-packed so much into it. And yes, a lot of... Quite a few twists and turns I did not see coming and some really <laughs> enjoyable action some absolutely yeah. crazy stuff happened which I did not see coming and that the ending as well has kind of left me on tender hooks as to because it, it this is he said that um, after the original series he then carried he then went on hiatus with the skull Dobry series for a bit because he He'd, he'd kind of wrapped it up with the original series, but then he left it open to be carried on.
1: But it and ended so well. The original yeah. series ended so well that I was actually a little bit annoyed when I heard he'd written more books. So, cause it, I don't know if you, if anyone else ever gets that, where something is just a, a series or a franchise just laid to rest in such a brilliant way that you're like, I, I hate to see it end but at the same time, it's is the best way it could have ended. But then mm-hmm. to see it revived out of, out of the blue... It, it's lit- i don't know if i don't know if you feel like that henry or anyone else listening this gets a bit annoyed sometimes when things are rebooted and they don't need to be rebooted
0: yeah no, i, I agree but with if it sometimes i think fine with those they get
1: rebooted and then they're not
0: done very well true
1: and to be fair god of war pleasant was handled very well resurrection which was the first and the next and then like the new books i thought i really enjoyed that one yeah and with the we both disagreed
0: on midnight. We both yes, didn't particularly I was like say, that the ex- one.
1: With the exception of midnight,
0: all of the rest the of it have been, really been really good. good. Um, but yeah, he he said it was going to be uh, two sets of three books. So the seasons of war, which was the book that was released last year, he said this is the fir- this is the first book in the final trilogy. Of course, dead or alive is the second one. Uh, the stuff that. Dead or the way, dead or alive, finished. I just have no clue how he's going to wrap all of this up in one more book. I know I said there's a lot happened in this six hundred pages, but I just feel like there's still so much more to happen
1: that I don't. I then don't again, see. I felt I felt the same, Henry, at the end of Last Stand of Dead Men, and then, But then, Dying of the Light, he did manage to wrap up everything, didn't he?
0: True. I guess he he does he does fit a lot into the books and he covers a lot of characters within it as well
1: yes and we've trusted derek landy this far i think we can trust it with one more book <laughs> yeah
0: i just wonder if once this one is finished whether it will be the definitive end to the skullduggery series and he'll just he'll leave it there or <laughs> whether it will or there'll be
1: another
0: series <laughs>
1: i have no idea again? I'd, I'd One thing be... I would like to touch on with Dead or mm. Alive before yeah. we move on to the spoilers is the humour. Uh, yes. Everything else about the book has been spot on, classic of Duggery pleasant. but I felt that the humour declined in this book. Well, this was... It, we
0: um, we actually spoke about this before when we... Uh, yeah, but when walk.
1: we finished it. Yeah. At the
0: of the month. Because, uh, no, I... Yeah, that's the thing with um, Skullduggery. It is the two main characters. They have a good kind of witty banter, and they bounce off each other well. And yeah. it there is the there is the darker side to it with some of the action sequences, and the fights can get a bit brutal. But there, the good thing Derek Landy does is he injects a good bit of humour into it. Like uh, this is going back a bit, but one of the <laughs> one of the uh, previous novels where they're they're like, "Why did you come come in through the window?"
1: Oh, uh, it's just because doors are boring. <laughs> well, it's because doors are for people with no imagination, hey? Yeah,
0: that's it.
1: <laughs> oh, and, and yeah. How did you miss that quote? But And to be fair, in terms of humour, they did actually reference that joke in Dead or Alive.
0: Hmm.
1: Did you spot that part? That easter egg? I didn't. I actually missed that. Okay, well, we'll talk about it in the spoiler bit then. But yeah, anyone who wants to is going, going to go ahead to read it. Look out for that. Look out for that.
0: But yeah, the uh, the one that I there was one specific example that I pointed out to you, and it's where these characters are going back and forth about coffee. Yeah, and it it would it, it it was it was like it was meant to be humorous, but it was actually kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't funny. It was like no one actually talks like this. It's like that they, they were trying to order a coffee. Uh, uh, they're like, oh, can I have a. Um, black coffee with uh, milk and then the person says I haven't got any milk can I just have a black uh, coffee
1: and they're like we uh, only serve coffee and milk yeah and then it's like but you've said but you you've got no- you the milk and it, it was just an, it was way too long yeah. and, 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 then and, sw-
0: and then it swapped to like oh in that case I'll just have water you can't you can't just have water or it's like we've only got this type of water they're like, oh, can I have cold water? We've only got lukewarm water. Can I, all right, I'll have a lukewarm water then. Here you go. Yep, yeah, The glass is chipped. All
1: the glasses are chipped. And it's just, like, oh, for... It, it went on for like two pages as well. Yeah, I've I, I no idea what that was. Maybe, was, maybe Derek Manny's the sort of writer who kind of puts these sorts of strange things in his book because someone told him not to. Like maybe a fan said, oh, don't, but don't put this sort of thing in your book, I'd hate it. And then he would put it in the book just because that fan said they would hate it. And there was, I forget which character it was, but in the original 9 or however many there are books, there's a character whose only, pur- whose only purpose in the book is to um, resemble one of Derek Landy's fans who said to him that the worst thing you could possibly do to me is make me a character in your book. So the first thing he did when he wrote the next book was make her a character. I forget which character that is I was going to say if I met him I'd just
0: say the same thing and they'd be like yes I was in the book
1: well no because he'd know that you'd actually love it so he wouldn't do it <laughs> but yeah usually his his humour's
0: quite good because the characters bounce off e- each other and okay they do occasionally make stupid comments but they are funny in the, their way but this yeah. this particular one stuck out to me it's just like it didn't really gel with me <laughs> it's like, it didn't fit it was just strange but the, a, a number of the other times in it I did find myself like grinning and it was amusing but it was just this one that really stuck out to me
1: were there any others that kind of stuck out to you it's kind of not making sense well, it like... wasn't that there was a particular joke that I didn't think worked but that, I, I think there was an absence of jokes that did work mm. there wasn't enough times where I actually laughed out loud but normally it's has to be pleasant like I'm just chuckling away every page but not, not in this one
0: no, but the action sequences were good. Really enjoyed those. A lot happened. It just it, again it, it amazes me with the number of characters he has in them. He he covers each one really well. But I <laughs> the p- problem I do have with Scaldorie Pleasant is the naming convention because everyone's got strange names, and yeah. someone would turn up, and you have to have to go back and search who they were. So it's like, wait, have we met this guy? I feel like I we met this guy. I wouldn't say that's the naming.
1: I, I wouldn't say that's the naming. I think that's the way Derek Landy presents the characters. Like, back in Resurrection, when Tempo 3, the character Tempo, is first introduced, mm. he's introduced as if I already, should already know who he is. And I have yeah. to be like, well, hang on. And, and I'd look up, where's he been in before? And actually, no, he was new to that book, I think. Yeah, I, I had,
0: had the exact same thing. It's like, wait, have we met this guy before? And I was going back. And it's like, oh, no, he's new to this book but i feel like i should kind of know who he is but yeah.
1: i don't <laughs> maybe because he's either too similar to other Derek landy characters or mm. Derek landy just fumbled that character presentation but yeah. i i think i think if i if derrick landy has a weakness as an author it is when characters are first in, some sometimes when characters are first introduced sometimes he will introduce a character and he completely nails it and you go this guy's hilarious like when dexter vex was introduced i thought that was, that was some pretty good witty dialogue but, yeah, when temper was introduced, completely fumbled it. Yeah, but overall, sp- spoilers-free, I, I overall, think Overall, was... pretty solid entry. Classics got agree of Pleasant. Yeah. Except, except for humour, nothing more I could ask for. Good. Right. Spoiler bit now? Spoilers? Spoilers. Spoilers,
0: yes. Cool. That ending. <laughs> oh, my God. Valkyrie's going,
1: cuckoo. I mean, I'm surprised he's not having severe... Trauma already. All the strips he's been through. Or actually, no, wait. She has had. Yeah, I was lot. about to and say. She has. <laughs> so it's it's about that five-year hiatus. Five-year sabbatical. But the, fa- the Faceless Ones, the evil gods, are
0: already in the world. And they're coming through Valkyrie somehow. And... Yeah, it's great. And then Al- Algar as well, he turned into some weird obsidian monster and has somehow teleported I'm into another world or
1: something. I'm sick of those two brothers. At first, I was like, "All oh, right, so a reversal of the Harry Potter-type scenario, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then it's kind of dragged on and on. Now I'm just like, no, enough. And, really, and
0: I, I, I've kind of quite liked seeing Omen come into his own in a way. He kind of started off as... Agreed. Completely useless, and he's actually developed as a character and got better. But I, I'm really interested to see what discipline he'll settle on in the end. What magic Agreed. discipline?
1: But that other character, Cadaverous. Or, what's yeah, his name? Ca- uh, Krupuskilovice. Uh, Cri- Cri- yeah. uh He's been set up as like a not a big bad, but definitely an antagonist. Mm. And him and Omen just become friends and go on adventures. Oh, oh, at the same time, just like, oh, I'm in the middle of world domination or whatever I'm doing. But I've got some spare time, so I'm going to go hang out with my buddy who's like 100 years younger than me.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with this school kid. a school kid, nef- yeah. What's my nefarious plans of working likes, in the background?
1: Yeah, like, it's almost, I almost thought it was a bit uncomfortable, actually, their friendship. Mm. I was like, but, I don't, I don't get uh, it but d- but if, f- funny enough, doesn't uh, f- one of the other
0: characters, Fletcher, he makes a joke about the age... because magic basically stops your aging. But he makes yeah. a joke about it, like he's like, oh yeah, I was kind of seeing someone, but then she turned out to be like seventy five years older than me, and I'm kind of not sure about it anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: no, th- that is true. But yeah, there just certain plot twists that came up and. Okay, I was confused with like the ending where uh uh, Dav, uh what's his name Creed
1: he seemed to the get away. Creed. Yeah, yeah, he... I yes, yeah, like, oh, I did, I they just kind of let him walk away. Literally, they let him walk away. I'm like, really?
0: Yeah, I was fully expecting
1: Scudder to pull out his gun and just shoot him in the back of the head. Well, he already had pulled out his gun. I'm pretty certain because he, he had his gun pointed at his pointed at his head, point blank. Mm. And he spent several books going on, Oh, I'm an arbiter, there's no law I don't have to I don't have to follow any laws, there's no, no no my jurisdiction is everywhere, I have no superiors, if I think you'll do any evil I'll just stop you. The biggest evil guy turns up and he's like, Oh, you can go.
0: But but the thing I found confusing with that ending with where Creed walked away and the Church of the Faceless One still had power was that China had woken up again. She she was back, she had her Power's back. And then she yeah, fled so with Tanith and the other members. Herself,
1: like, hello, I went back. So this yeah. should be restored to power.
0: Yeah. But they're like, oh, no, she was... Uh, she had They fled, and so the Church of the Faceless Ones are still in control and everyone's being subjugated. So I was like, hang on, surely she should have just come straight back into power and been able to sort this. It didn't... That didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't quite understand what happened there. They just, Oh, she's fled with Tanith and... De- uh, uh, temper and it was just like wait surely she could have just taken power back and sorted out this mess. But yeah, that was a that was a strange. But um, uh, what other aspects? I really like uh, Valkyrie's time travel because like her powers are like really unique and even she doesn't fully understand them. And she's trying True. to do this astral project projection where she'll send send like a spirit form of herself to the future to find out what's happening. But then she, she accidentally time travels there in person, and she does it a few times. It's just
1: it's really cool to cool, see.: But I, I think I said to you a few weeks ago, I'm getting a little bit bored of the characters going off and having adventures in other worlds. I'd rather rather see the world they're living be developed more and than to have more adventures in the world that they're actually living. So, I mean, they go to Mevelyn's dimension in an earlier book, they go into the future, they go into various other worlds, and I'm like, this is cool, but it's getting old. It's been all, in... of the, la- all of the last book, Seasons of War, in Another Dimension. None has spent almost half of this book in Another Dimension uh, timeline.
0: But isn't it interesting, either way, to see how that impacts upon their present? Like, when, um, when uh, basically Skullduggery's future self. Ends up managing to hitch a ride back with Valkyrie to the. Uh,
1: yeah, it's okay. I, I did quite like Cadaver Cane. Yeah, I he, he was
0: quite amusing. It was particularly when it was him versus Skullduggery, they're basically each other and it's. They're just. They're the same, but they're both humorously just bouncing yeah. off each other.
1: Or all, all, all the times when Cadaver Cane's like, this, this, this conversation is no longer about me, so I'm bored. And those, those <laughs> that, but that, that,
0: that, that's Skullduggery in a nutshell. But uh, what what did you think of like the reveal that when he was in his past when he's a necromancer as Lord Vile that he'd traversed through the universe and come across the Vardu or whatever they were called like the dead gods and that they wanted to inhabit Earth or something? What did you think of that kind of?
1: Because that came completely out of left field. I felt. Yes, um, yes, death gods, hmm, yes, it's, it's been a, a theme in Silver of for a long time. Gods coming out of nowhere wanting to destroy the world. I, I don't know if you read his latest well Book Day uh, novella, Armageddon Kings, but well, that's also mm. about <laughs> gods, uh, evil gods. So I was a little bit like, uh, war gods, but also, are they worse? Than the faceless ones? More powerful?
0: That's the thing. I think it's implied that they are. But then, because they managed to foil his
1: plans in the end, I wonder if... Ah, but did they? So all we know is we saw Scott Duckley go through the portal to speak to them. And then come back and the thing's closed. Yeah. Oh, good point. That is a good point. So he could turn around and say, oh no, actually the video people, whatever they're called... They uh, made sense, so I'm actually working for them. And then actually, him and Valkyrie have both gone evil. Oh, that's okay. Oh, what do you. Hang on. Him and Valkyrie both go evil. The next book is there's a big battle. And then he makes another series in the same universe, but Valkyrie and Skodugri are the bad guys. And the main character is Alice or someone. Ooh. That's my prediction of what's going to happen. That's
0: oh, we'll have to wait and see. Like we'll keep this as the record, and in a year's time, when the next one comes out, you, you can come back. I was right. I was right. Or we can go. No, Tom, you were hopelessly wrong.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that bet. I'm gonna take that okay.
0: bet. Yeah, I'm I'm curious because because they they were only just introduced. And I wonder, I wonder if they did foil their plans, and that's the last we'll hear from them, or whether the Vardu or whatever they were called will resurface in the future but and again there's um there was stuff going on with uh in the mortal world as well wasn't it uh, Flannery um and Dr. Nye yeah somehow that they're going to start creating super soldiers or something using magic yeah uh, Captain Captain America and everything, but again, there's, that's just another plot point, and I'm just like I'm so curious as to how, Derek Landy's gonna wrap all these different things going up, going on, how he's gonna wrap it all up in the final book, a lot of moving parts and some really, interesting stuff, but yeah. Va- what, Valkyrie what about going that kind of
1: um, assassin that Valkyrie dated? Quell. He is kind oh of yeah yeah that was again that kind of came
0: out of nowhere like never never seen him before no mention of him
1: and then and then Valkyrie dates him five years ago
0: yeah he kills I felt sorry for Danny he killed Danny yeah you felt he, sorry for him
1: but yeah I, I thought it was really anticlimactic he's just sort of like got to get Valkyrie back got to get Valkyrie back got to get Valkyrie back oh I'm dead okay. yeah well Meli- what's her name Melissa
0: Melissa Blitzer, yeah, just because yeah, her powers kind of go out of control, and she ends up like knocking him into that death sh- shroud. Which mm-hmm. again, that was like uh, that was another thing. Like the necromancers seem to have resurfaced, <laughs> and they set up the uh, oh, what was it called? Um, Necropolis. Necropolis within Rawhaven. <laughs> you think people would have been like, uh, why do we have like the city of like? the spirit dead right next to like a city full of living people and if that goes out of
1: control we're all dead that's just is a, a typical Scott Dugby like pleasant universe thing there isn't it oh, yep. look, i've got something really dangerous that can very easily go wrong and kill a lot of people let's put let's, it in an urban center
0: yeah and then of just course like that setting yeah quill gets knocked to it and it's like instantly killed and the are like, okay well well right okay I, st- I still don't feel like I under- fully understand the Cleavers and the Reapers either yet. If Ripper. Just the, Rippers. So, Not sorry, Reapers. Reapers. Well, Reapers sounds pretty cool.
1: <laughs> sounds better, yeah. And yeah, I have no idea if they have their own magic or if they use their magic to have a special this Cleaver discipline that makes them faster and stronger. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, although he's got a uh, Grimoire book coming out next month, so... Maybe oh, yeah. that, will, that will explain some more of the lore behind them. It was kind of cool because it gave us a bit more backstory as to what Valkyrie had been doing in her five year hiatus.
1: It, yeah, it was interesting. A bit, bit anticlimactic.
0: Yeah, kind of thought she might have been the one to deal with him, but it kind of just came down to a battle between him and his. <laughs> like her and her two exes were fighting it out. <laughs> But anyway, any any more to say on Skullduggery before we move on? I think
1: we've covered everything. Yeah, I think, I think we've covered everything. I,
0: I would definitely be intrigued in about a year's time. See, he, he usually releases the books in April. I'm yeah. definitely going to be intrigued to see how it all wraps up and we'll have to look back and see if any of our
1: predictions were true. And if the year after that he releases a book where Alice is the main character and she oh, takes over the series with them on. I'm go- Quickly, before we move on, that's another thing because her
0: her future self came back and then creed put her in like one of those orbs. dream catcher yeah i was like wait so does that mean her future self is just stored somewhere in this dream catcher or because the future got altered does that mean it just disappeared and she got i swear she got hit by like a magical blast so i'm wondering because she's still a little kid is she gonna wake up and she's gonna find she has magical powers or something Oh. Cause her, her like uh, no, that little
1: girl has been through so much though.
0: Oh no, sorry, she didn't get hit by a magical blast, but she got possessed by her future self. So I'm wondering, will that somehow unlock any hidden powers she might have? Because Valkyrie That's was like, true. Valkyrie was like, oh, I need to uh, protect her. I need to. I can't let her have powers because it will ruin her life. But I'm wondering if her having been possessed, Alice being possessed by her future self have somehow unlocked
1: these powers or what if Valkyrie can control the faceless ones that come through through her and she actually uses them for good against her Alice from the future oh my goodness I just remembered another
0: plot point Dar- Darkress. Darkress as well and oh, how co-
1: See? oh my god I forgot about her and h- how did those, that, those idiot guards capture her
0: yeah, how, how did Commander Hawk manage. Of all people. Of all peoples, manage to basically capture a, a god? It's. Are you just one. Because, like, she's captured, she's unconscious. What.
1: Like, oh, of course. Quest is going how, to have to fight Valkyrie. At the end of the of the original series, Valkyrie fought Quest, Oh, my goodness, now, it would be a complete Val- parallel. <gasps> yeah. Oh, now Dark that's is going so to have good. to fight Valkyrie. Oh, 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 oh. That's my prediction for the next book or oh, that. v- oh, that's for valkyrie or that's and good then the book sp- after that alice becomes the main character that's my prediction that's a good spot that is a really good spot
0: oh that's cool. <laughs> yeah I, I was like how on earth did we forget about that because that is a massive plot point oh and she because she's basically she, she's basically yeah she is basically a god because she she basically split herself into so many beings to explore what the world's like and then recreated herself
1: and she's gave birth to herself
0: yeah and has been it's been in the obs- previous book of course yeah it's been kind of observing life as if she was beginning it anew but she's been aging rapidly so she's like the equivalent of like a 10 year old or something now
1: I think she's 12, something like that.
0: Something like, but she's got the powers of a god, basically. Like, she can literally split apart ap- atoms and reform them into whatever she wants.
1: Rubber duck, for instance. Yeah, again, I, I, like, Hawk. What What's he going to do? Can... He's like such a minor character. Like, yeah. Such a boring, ordinary character. It's like, oh, hang on, how did he do this?
0: I wonder if he's going to, uh, because he's loyal to Creed, I wonder if he's going to let Creed know. And they're going to use, use it, it for, for f- himself, yeah. I I think he might use it for his own gain, but then of course it'll go horribly wrong, and I imagine he'll probably get killed. Yeah, yeah. A good, another good entry into the Skull series, I think. And I'm really intrigued to see how it will get wrapped up.
1: But I mean, clearly enjoyed it because so we spent what the last 20 30 minutes talking about this. Yeah, well, there's quite a lot to cover, it's quite a long book. <laughs> they just it's jammed so much into those 600 pages. Yeah. Well,
0: Talking of another 600-page book that I recently read. So last year, you introduced me to the First Law Trilogy. and By Joe Abercrombie. By Joe Abercrombie. And recently, the sequel series has come out. But before I move on to those, there were a series of spin-off books that you've also encouraged yeah. me to read. And the first of which is yes. Best Served Cold by Joe Abercrombie
1: and it's a spin-off of the
0: first lore trilogy this was your favourite you said of the spin-offs wasn't it
1: yeah so the spin-offs are Best Served Cold The Heroes and Red Country not including any short stories and my favourite is Best Served Cold what did you think I really enjoyed it
0: (laughs) it was it was it really enjoyable and it did what I'm going to be spoiler free again here it did what I loved about the first series which was it's action-packed, it's quite dark and a bit bloody at times but what Joe Abercrombie does so well in his books is he starts these narrative threads, he introduces characters, he builds questions that you're wondering how's this going to all wrap up in the end? How what, How's this question going to get answered? And there's there's something that start, happened at the start of the book and I was like wait uh, this st- I was getting towards the end of the book and I was like hang on that still hasn't been answered and then right towards the end of the book it did I was just like ah oh, he's perfectly drawn it together in a nice neat bow right at the end but again what he does is he leaves a few strands hanging just like well oh, I'm setting something up for the future I'm leaving a few little tidbits there for you to keep on wondering about and keep the world open to be built upon it's just oh it's so well
1: crafted it is it's it, it, just the way everything is just tied up neatly at the end and these really bittersweet endings. yeah
0: yeah you kind of you don't it could go one way it could go another you there's a there's a good number of plot twists in there it's like ah oh, it's yeah it's probably one of the Best like fantasy series that I've recently read, and I'm just I, I love the world and I love learning about it, and the characters are fantastic as well.
1: What did you think of the characters in this book compared to the original trilogy? Because in the original trilogy, you loved how they were fantasy archetypical characters, yeah, with a twist. So, what did you think about this, these ones? Because I, I, I they, although they are really good characters as well, they're not in the same style, are they?
0: No there it's because I think because a few of them have are from the previous from the original trilogy so yeah it, the way the novel is written you could read it by itself because it's a spin-off uh, it's a standalone but it's it definitely helps to have read the other ones because there is stuff mentioned in this book that you could references references that you can tie back to the previous like okay I know who this is I know who that is I know what they're referencing but it's interesting to see particular. Uh, I'll go into this in the spoiler section. But the parallels between certain characters and the different paths they kind of take, and just the reintroduction of other characters and what they what they do, and then you're like, oh, I did. I wasn't expecting that from that character, and it's like, wait, that person's back again, and just it's they're they well written and good characters but I, I, I still I agree with you like from the original trilogy like the bloody nine and um, Baez and everything they're just so well written and just so memorable uh, these characters are, are great again I think that's just a credit to Joe Abercrombie's writing but yeah the the original characters definitely stand out most to me but I, I've really enjoyed this book. Nonetheless, and again, it was it was crazy how much got like packed into it as well, because there, there were some there are. Okay, I'll keep I'll keep it fairly spoiler free. But they there's uh, it's a, basically a revenge plot. One of the characters basically.
1: Hence, could the, 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 the title best serve? Cold. Yeah,
0: it's a revenge plot, and you can imagine uh, some typical they they're trying to hunt down who wronged them and everything, and but in this book, there's a bank heist, there's a masquerade ball, basically, there's a there's yeah. a war, there's a siege, and so much, so happens. much happens, and it's like, it, it keeps you engrossed throughout. So, yeah, it, again, another Joe Abercrombie
1: book that I've really really enjoyed. Well, I'm glad because it is one of my. I think it's the original trilogy is better, but after the original trilogy, that's that's my favourite book. he's written. Yeah, yeah. You, this was this was the one out of the spin-offs that
0: came with your highest recommendation. Oh yes. But uh, yes, I'll go into a little bit of spoiler territory now. Uh, I think. Okay. Something I said I the a strange parallel between two of the characters. So I'm talking about Monza and Shivers, and. The the kind of strange parallel that I saw is they're both quite bloodthirsty characters in a way. Monza, she's a mercenary. Mm -hmm. Uh, She gets screwed over by her employer and almost killed. Her brother dies and that sends off her entire revenge plot. And of course, Shivers has recently turned up in Styria. He's trying to find a better life for himself, but he gets dragged into this kind of quest for blood in a way. Yeah, but he's he starts out as a optimist. He's like, I'm trying to make a better life for me. Okay, I'll have to do what I'm good at, which is killing. But once I get the money, I can move on. I can become a better person than I am. But then he he almost has a descent into madness. Whereas I wouldn't say madness, but yeah, definitely gets much darker,
1: grimmer. Yeah, darker. Yeah, he
0: become he becomes almost a bit closer to the bloody nine logan doesn't he then yeah um, and whereas monza she's again she's quite dark because she's a mercenary she's a killer she's out for revenge she she is quite a dark character but towards the end she becomes a ruler in a way and she has to look out for the her people by the end and she's she becomes she of course she's not an ideal person but she's she's not a role model no but she she's like I have to look out for my people now and do what's best for them and they kind of go on their separate part they, they're kind of both flawed and messed up characters but they kind of each go in an opposite direction Shivers becomes worse whereas Monza becomes a little bit better do you, do you see what
1: I mean? yeah no I, I get what you mean it's it, it, it's typical of Joe Abercrombie's writing that you really see how events affect his characters mm. and you really see their development yeah. from these events yeah that was quite interesting and
0: uh, going back to what I was saying in the spoiler free section the bit I found where he uh, where I say with like Joe Abercrombie introduces these narrative threads which then get tied up perfectly at the end the main one was uh, with um, oh what's his name the guy who could slow time shanked Schenkt. where he turned out to be the one who'd saved Monza when she was Monza Caro yeah when she was um, uh, almost dead and, dead and he helped her recover and at, I was like who who was that guy the bone collector the really creepy guy at the start and then when it in the last like 20-30 tw- pages it's like it was you when he turns up and he's like you're the one who
1: save me and you never would have guessed no it. you never know and i was but like at the same time when you hear it you're like that makes so much sense it's just like oh my goodness it was him it's just like it just,
0: oh it, it was just seeing the thread finally connect i was like because that was the thing i was like okay I, this is beginning to wrap up but who was that guy are, are we gonna see him again or will he be mentioned in another book and then it gets Inserted there, right then, like ah, it perfectly comes together again and again. The fact that he's connected to Vitari, one of the other characters, and he turns out to be the father of her kids, and you're just like, wait, what?
1: I did not see that coming. I imagine that's like a humanizing moment. Like he's not this supernatural figure; he's like a family man. Mm. But the thing was, I was questioning: is he?
0: Is he? I thought he was going to be related to the Gurkish with their eater magic, which is like the well, he is a eater. Yeah, that's is he?
1: Yeah. yeah, At one point, doesn't he carve steak from someone's oh, yeah, body? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah.
0: He is, but then it, again, it, he meets um, Sulphur, who who is ca-
1: connected to yeah. Bias
0: from the uh, first novels. So he's he was also an eater.
1: Was Sulphur a uh, was he? Yeah, that's a major that's a major plot point in um, in uh, Last Argument of Kings. Oh, I'm getting I'm getting mixed up with um, characters. Because sulfur is connected to Bia's, isn't he? Because it- sulfur is one of Bia's former apprentices. Uh, okay. And in in the last argument of kings, he um, spoilers for last argument of kings as well. Then uh, he he takes someone's shape to um, keep the keep um, the nation held together during war. But another character says to Bia's, "Why do you keep this sulfur guy around?" He's an eater. That's a horrible practice. Eating corpses.
0: Yeah. Because I was, was going to say, like I rec- recognised um, Sulphur from the uh, original ones, because he was referencing Voldian Bank, which is connected to Bayaz, who's the Magi. Valentin, Valentin Bob, Sorry. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's a connection to Bayaz. And then they were talking like they knew each other. So I was like, oh, does that mean... Um, Schenkt is a former apprentice of Baez then and I was like oh that's interesting yeah but oh, I, I complete I completely yeah I, I, think, I, think yeah, he is I completely motioning. forgotten sulfur was an eater but I I, I figured out I, I figured Schenkt probably was now that you say it yeah because he was cut off in people but the fact that he had the strange like slow slow motion powers I was like he, that sounds like an eater power from one of the previous um yeah in previous books Not for previous reference joke. to people eaters are basically uh, evil, yeah, basically Cannibals. evil cannibal mages who consume people to amass power. But yeah, <laughs> ah, yeah, and again, Kos- uh, cost, Kos- Costco, Costa, Cosco. Costco, Costa, Costco,
1: <laughs>
0: Costco, Costco. <laughs> I, yeah. I want, I Costco now. Cosca. Uh, the fact that he he turned up again, and I know he's one of your favourite characters. The drunk, the drunk. Yeah, really like him. and the plot twist where you thought he died and he's like nope it turns out I'm alive again <laughs> I d- it wasn't nearly as bad a wound <laughs> as I thought and I just lo- I love the bit yeah. where he gets the mercenaries involved with the battle and they're like why aren't you attacking why aren't you attacking he was like well yeah you guys paid me but the other side also paid me not to attack so I'm just gonna do nothing <laughs> I was like oh that was <laughs> genius as well it was so so well done I do yeah. love that character does he appear in any of the books any of the others uh, what, any yeah. of the books
1: after this one
0: oh, okay. I can't A tell you point. yeah uh, but it was it was nice and um, oh, there were other characters as well uh, Dan Ida is that her name she she uh, no she was who you're talking about. she was in uh, in in is it Dagost? Is he the one that was asleep Yeah, that's there? it.
1: Oh yeah, she well, was I in Dagostor
0: or whatever it's called in one of the previous novels. She was like head of the Spices Guild.
1: Oh, well, maybe no, maybe no, no it, is, it is,
0: her, it is her. Yeah, mm. it was inter- it was interesting to see oh, okay. her again. Because at first, when they uh, were talking about her, it's like, is, is it her? Uh, oh yeah, yeah it, yeah it is. I've forgotten about her. Yeah, it it was really another really good entry into the series or spin-off from the main series and it just, it helped build up
1: the world again. It does and it's just, so much happens. There's such a variety yeah, of things A variety that of book. characters, a variety of things. Again, it's just like, the, the fact that
0: they fit in like, there was a, there was a bank heist, <laughs> there was a, basically a masquerade ball which turned into an assassination. There was a, a battle, a yeah.
1: siege. A... The fight with the general, that's, that, oh, that that's that's a good time. Oh,
0: this is something that I found re- I loved from the book where she's she's quoting philosophers from that world. It was like sto- Stoliches yeah. and different ones, and like they, they they kind of felt like almost parallels to real world philo- philosophers. Like Stoliches was like probably it. It sounds like stoicism in a way to me. I don't know whether that's just yeah. Stolicus, but it, yeah. It, it, They was like, oh, he was an. Em- he was an uh, emperor who won many famous battles. And I was like, he sounds almost like uh, Marcus Aurelius, who we've read his his book. Or I, well, I've read his book. In, yeah, you've, you've read tried it. to read it. And Kevin. Anyway, but it, it sounds almost like this world's version of the Stoics. And I was like, oh, I love this. But at the same time, I really want spin-off novels of these characters now. <laughs> yeah. this oh, I was okay. like, oh, it's enough. it's fascinating that they, <laughs> she follows her own sort of stoic philosophy of this world and there are
1: they are referenced more in later yeah. books as well
0: uh, that that was a bit I loved where she, and it, the, the quotes that uh, these made up characters have are all quite good as well they could be like real actual philosophy from <laughs> out <laughs> it, it's like <gasps> Is this is this a bit of stoicism and philosophy in a, in my Joe Abercrombie book I'm like yes I like this <laughs> yeah I, I really enjoyed that inclusion as well and I'd, I'd love to see some spin-off uh, novels of those uh, characters if he ever did those
1: but of all the interesting characters in his books it's those incredibly minor ones you want yeah, to spin no because like this famous
0: <laughs> Empress sounds like a really cool character to have followed. Like you could see how he became, what he did as emperor. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so, best served cold, Scaldery <laughs> Pleasant two excellent fantasy novels that we've read this month. Or, well, I've read one of them. Well, well, I've read both of them. There's only yeah. one of them this month. Um, moving on to a bit of non-fiction. So, I have to uh, say something that which was pointed out to me at the end of. The previous episode that I had actually been saying the title of this next book wrong. I had been saying the War on Art, and it was pointed out to me that's not right. You've been saying it wrong throughout the whole episode, so I'm going to say it now. The book we're talking about is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. This is
1: not a war where about. about, This is not a book about someone who really hates art. (laughs) There's nothing to do with that. This is a book about how the struggle to produce creative works. Nothing to no. do with hating art. Nothing <laughs> but, to do with that. More Henry. Yes, Henry. it was
0: pointed out to me after the previous episode that I'd been saying the wrong title the whole way through, so I apologise and thank you to my friend for pointing that out to me. <laughs> with that out the way, we'll uh, move on. So, Tom, you yes. read this ahead of me earlier in the month and you said you felt quite strongly about it, but I didn't
1: push it at the time because I said, let's save it for the podcast. So, mm-hmm. well, I think at the time I'd just finished reading it, so I've I've my opinion has mellowed out a bit. I've calmed down, and I don't feel as okay. strongly. My thoughts were when you recommended it to me and said, "Um, ironically, actually, Henry, I'm looking back at my notes and I've put war on <laughs> art as well, actually." <laughs> um, when you recommended it to me, it's about a, a book about helping people. Uh, produce their creative works. Whatever those creative works might be, it might be you're a painter or a musician. It doesn't matter, or a writer like me. It doesn't matter. It, it, this book's about acknowledging that sometimes it can be difficult to actually, you know, focus and overcome writer's block or whatever your equivalent might be. And this is meant to help you. And I was like, oh, actually, this sounds amazing. I can't wait to read it. I ordered it then and there, and I started reading it as soon as it as soon as it was delivered. And did you you reread mm. it, didn't you?
0: So I, um, I think um, it was about twenty eighteen that I probably first read it, and coincidentally, it was given to me by a mutual friend of ours. I'll will t- tell you about it after end of the podcast, but
1: yeah, I okay. So what, what when you reread it, did it hold up to what you remembered of it?
0: I'd say, very much the first part, first part and a few parts later on really kind of were bits i kind of vaguely remembered from it and kind of really i was glad to have reread them because they really refreshed the original meaning that i got from the book on my first read and they it was stuff that i felt oh this is actually quite good to reread and kind of stuff i need to hear again there were a couple of little bits where i was like okay that's slightly gone over my head in the book he makes um a reference to it he makes a bit a few references to like religion and the mute the muses and that those bits kind of i i could understand in a sense the essence of what he was saying through the, the from from a creative but they weren't the main message that i took from it the main bits i got from it were when he was talking about resistance and procrastination and the things mm-hmm. that hold us back like fear those were the main points that i took from
1: it yeah um, i couldn't agree with you more about um, the latter half of the book kind of missing the point I, I do agree with you there Maybe I got too uh, I was looking forward to it too much because I was hoping I would read this and I, maybe I was expecting too much maybe I was thinking oh, i 'll read it and my mind would clear and i 'll be so much more productive and obviously that didn't happen but I, I think just the way this book was presented didn't actually fit with me. I mean, when he was talking about um, resistance, Mm. as you say, yeah, I fully understood that. This happens to me all the time. I couldn't agree with it more. Um, Yeah, so that part, yeah, fully resonated with me. And then he gets on to the actual advice for for beating resistance. And I actually can't remember what he said. I read it a couple of weeks ago, and I can't tell you. Because... When I was reading it, there was so much metaphors and allegories and anecdotes that I actually was starting to miss the point of what he was saying. I don't know if you felt that too, but I didn't. I it's, it's just not the way that I absorb advice. If you give me advice, hmm. just tell me. This is this is the advice. Yeah. Maybe I completely missed. Maybe I didn't read it properly. Maybe there was no. I I,
0: I I rereading it. I kind. of... I think it was in like the. I kind of it's kind of split into. Uh, three parts and i think it was kind of the third part
1: where he was i'm not talking about the third part yeah oh the second, part, the second uh, part
0: where he's talking about the uh, being a professional
1: yeah yeah I,
0: I kind of get what you mean but at the same time i also understand what stephen pressfield is talking about i think it's his idea of when you're if you're a creative that you have to be Dedic- dedicated to your craft you have to become the professional in it you can't just be the amateur if you want to achieve something
1: great so it's it, it's he's right i'm not saying he's wrong he's absolutely right but i'm reading this book hoping that he would help me to do that i know that if i want to write a book or paint a picture that the best way of doing that would be to write that book or paint that picture i know that I know I've got to be professional and more productive in order to get it done. I'm reading this book for him to help me to do that. At the end of the book, um, he's got like this re- a few recap pages. And he says, I think it's not a, maybe a paraphrase in him here, not a direct quote. But he says, just do it. And it's tough love. And he's absolutely 100% right. If you want to achieve something, just do it. Couldn't agree more. Nothing wrong with that but I didn't need to buy his book and spend hours reading it to know that. I knew that already. And say, writing a book to help someone achieve their creative endeavours and put in, just do it, is, in my opinion, like writing a book how to get rich and writing (laughs) make money. Yes, we know that part. We're asking you how. So So the first part about resistance, couldn't agree more. The second part, he's right, but I don't think he actually goes into enough... He either doesn't give enough advice or doesn't actually present it very well that the the most I got from it was just do it. And then the third part of the book, which you've spoken about already, was focused a lot on his spiritual beliefs. And his spiritual beliefs are interesting, don't get me wrong, and he's entitled to them. But they're not relevant. Obviously, they're to do with the muses, but it's not why I'm I'm not reading the book because I'm interested in his philosophy or his beliefs. I'm reading the book as I keep saying for advice on overcoming writer's block, and would you agree with me Henry that only that middle part of the book is about overcoming writer's
0: block i I agree with you that on the part of the book that I like you kind of I got a little bit lost with the I could kind of see what he was saying that particularly a bit where he was talking about like the hierarchy and the territory like if you sub- submit to the hierarchy of trying to uh, impress those above and below you
1: your spiritual beings he says if you try and impress spiritual beings something about they will give you more inspiration essentially his spiritual beliefs are inspiration comes from supernatural beings who live on a higher plane of existence Mm. and he's saying that um the advice no that no to help you become more susceptible or something along those lines. Uh, no, I think that, that's not kind of quite what I meant. I think it was... Essentially, we should not have to have this sort of discussion on a writing advice book. Or a creative advice book. Theological debates should not be happening if you're reading the book on advice on how to get over writer's block. That, th- 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 this shouldn't happen. If he wants to spend... It's his book. If he wants to talk about his spiritual beliefs, he's entitled to. But Describe. not Because like, The stuff
0: where he's talking about ego and things like that, where I, I could kind of understand that in a way. like, But there were bits within the third, the third part where I could Word. see what he was, he was saying. But it was more that the first and second part
1: re- resonated more with me. We agree that the third that you I, I skim read. I, I started skim reading the third part after a while because pages and pages of spiritual beliefs. Like I say, sometimes I to them and they're interesting, but I'm not interested. So I did skim read yeah, a bit of it. I,
0: I found the first two parts the most constructive, particularly it was yeah. the the first part particularly with the where he's covering resistance and it I it was quite refreshing for me to reread that and refresh myself on what i had read previously like okay i see i see the resistance i I see what he describes resistance as and okay okay i look at my own life and i see, okay that's that's where i i I struggle that's where the resistance is for me and then when he goes on to the second part and he's like you have to you have to start doing the work and i'm like okay i see how i can do that in my own
1: life Yes, you're right. But I think deep down, Henry, you already knew. In order to do some write write a book or whatever, deep down you're going to have to do the work. I think you knew that before you read before you ever read this book in 2018. You knew in order to write a book, you need to just get yeah. But it. I, I think but, you, just the book is supposed to tell you. But how no, that's
0: the thing. I dis I disagree with you there. I don't think it's meant to explicitly tell you okay these are the this is the one two three guide on how you get out of writer's block i think it's the particularly the first part i think it identifies to you what is holding you back from doing the work whether it's you're procrastinating you're putting off uh you're putting other things you want to do in front of this challenge this whether you're writing or you want to take up painting or photography or directing, whether you're putting other stuff in front of that, whether it's fear that's holding you back, whether it's judgment from others that is holding you back. I think it's, he, he helps you identify that. And then he describes that he says, it's, if you want to, if you want to achieve your creative endeavor, like you said, of course, you have to put in the work that is obvious but in a way sometimes we just we need a reminding of it because we get lost often both me and you as aspiring writers I I know for certain I can get lost in the fantasy of a, a creation I've had and all I do is just I just think about it I think about it I'll jot down some notes but I don't put in the work to actually put those yeah, I'm exactly the same. I don't put those, exactly I don't put in the work to make those notes and these ideas into something tangible. It's just they're just a thread of mismatched, unconnected ideas. And it's although it is a simple message, I think sometimes this something like this a short book just the message in it, if it's well written, it's well imparted. Which I think the first two parts of this book are well written and they do get across a clear message and i feel quite glad that i've refreshed myself and reread it because i feel like okay i've identified where i'm suffering from resistance in my own life now i can go and put in the work and i
1: need i just need to do that you're not wrong but it says on the book help to overcome writer's block that's what the cover says and I don't think no, this it on mine on it says break through the blocks and win you're
0: in a creative battle and I think but I think what it's doing do is the blocks it is referring to is resistance it's not saying a creative writing block because it's
1: oh I I, I know uh, yeah the 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 idea I got from the the cover was it would help me become more productive and the book said actually that's down mm. to you and I I knew that already I was hoping that it would have some tips and tricks that can help me to stop procrastinating. And but isn't that isn't you know, isn't, that what, isn't that what isn't that what he does productive? in
0: the become the professional
1: where it's like
0: you have of course yes you have to dedicate the time but dedicate it as if you this is your life's ambition this is your this is your job you like he said he he oh, there's a really there's a really good quote in it. Where the guy, uh, someone, a, f- a friend of his says, uh, "I only, I only write when I'm inspired. Fortunately, inspiration knocks on the door at nine nine a.m. and I get to work." It was
1: that's uh, yeah. paraphrasing. Uh, I, yeah. I, I quite like that quote. To be honest, that, that quote was quite good.
0: I know we we differ quite a bit on how I I like a good balance of fiction and non-fiction. and a lot of the non-fiction I. Read is of people having gone and achieved stuff. So a lot of it is mindfulness and self development. But the the stuff I try and take away from that is, and like with this this book, you were saying you you were hoping it was going to give you the
1: answers in a way. I was hoping I would learn yeah. something. Yeah, I was hoping that it would teach me something. But actually, all of the ideas in the book, I felt I actually encountered elsewhere, and I didn't. Mm. It didn't help. Like, he talks about resistance, but I've seen that in other books, like um, The Little Black Book of Workout Motivation you yeah. recommended last year. They talk about resistance. That's actually two years ago now. I can't remember. Oh. Mm. I can't remember who wrote it. Uh, M- Michael Matthews. That's it. I knew it was in this M M-M. M Um Yeah, no, he talks about it as well. But he managed to describe it in such a way that I knew exactly what he was talking about mm. and identified with it completely. <laughs> but he took up about a tenth of the amount of space that Stephen yeah. Pressfield, who wrote the book we're talking about, took. I think he took 60 pages oh. to talk about Resistance. And I, de- I was reading it thinking, OK, I get what you mean. I agree with you. Can we move on? Because he's a Stephen Pressfield is a much more experienced, skillful writer than Matthews. No offense to Matthews, but he's a bodybuilder, not a writer. He's good, but he's not Pressfield's level. So I don't know why Pressfield took had to take that much mm. time to talk about resistance, and then he spends a very short amount of time giving actual advice and moves on spiritual beliefs. And the very short amount of time that he spends, there are some quotes. They're great. There are some anecdotes, which are okay. But never once does he say, "Here's a good idea: wake up early, have a safe space, etc." No, no advice like that. No practical, hands-on. This is what mm. you could. This is what this is. Okay, to so, other writers, you, so this your to your other expectations people.
0: was it in a way like a checklist of never once does here say here here's stuff. Of that... talk of,
1: no, no. My expectations was would be, uh, for instance, Mr. X is a writer. This is what he does to make himself more productive. Mrs. B is a photographer. This is what C does to be productive. Mr. X Y is a painter. This is his daily routine. You, I, you were I hoping sort for of sort of, of real world
0: examples in a way. If
1: he wasn't going to give any actual advice, I was hoping for practical advice, basically. The only anecdotes I'm given are from sportsmen, who, yes, they're professional, very skillful and high achieving people. And they are definitely good role models. But they're not people struggling to overcome writer's block. It's a lot easier when you're off playing sports to overcome procrastination because you don't <laughs> think have a you, choice. Sorry, I'm going to disagree there, Tom, because I think you can. Yeah, you can, because it's. Alright. Yeah. What? That was just an, golf was just an example. My point is, I was hoping for practical advice relating to. Relating to more relating to. My situation or our situation, Henry. And maybe, as I said earlier, maybe I missed it. Maybe the problem is me. I'm I'm happy to uh, say that might be the case. But regardless, my overall takeaway from the book was not enough time was spent on advice. And the advice was not presented in a way that I found easy to understand. And too much was spent on spiritual beliefs or too much was spent talking about resistance. Alright, Well, I found the I found That's the
0: stuff on resistance it. quite handy and ref- it, I I needed that refresher. I needed to hear that again because it's I. It's something I've let my slip into my life is resistance to the stuff I want to achieve, Pr- letting procrastination easily take me over. Like uh, fear, like a fear factor as well is. Something that I struggle with. So that was quite i kind of needed to hear that again the the bit the bit in the middle where he's talking about becoming a professional if you're gonna devote yourself to a creative endeavor you've got to put in the work i agree the kind of the bit where it went into the muses the spiritual part that i kind of
1: felt a little bit lost there i do i do agree with that um i think it'd be more than a little bit lost henry the guy who wrote the introduction Stephen Pressfield's friend wrote an introduction to his book, and he puts mm. in the introduction. I don't agree with the last third of the book, <laughs> and that's the introduction but... to this book. Don't I ignore the last third of the book? I remember reading that. Like, hang on, what?
0: Yeah, I have to admit, it's it's a fairly short book. It's only about 150 pages, so it's definitely not a too different. And even a lot of the pages aren't even full pages, so it's it's quite easy to skim skim. I read it in two days so it's it's quite easy to skim skim through but the what it reminds me of is the way I th- like I uh, something I alluded to earlier was the book uh, the non-fiction books I read I like reading about people who've like achieved ama- amazing things some of them are sort of in a way motivational books this people have gone and achieved things they've created something great And I like hearing the stories of how they've done that, but the way I think about stuff like with the War of Art, made sure to get the name right there. (laughs) Yeah, I made sure. The thing with those books is they do inspire me and they do motivate me. But this this is my personal philosophy on this type of thing. I'm not expecting them to give me the. Answer. They're not going to give me the step by step. Is this is how you do this? This is how you achieve that. They they allude to it, and I have to put in the work to figure it out myself. But my my thing with sort of motivation and stuff that motivates me is that motivation motivation is the spark. Motivation is the spark that starts the fire, but then discipline and work is the fuel that feeds that fire. So I'm like you. To I'm a, I hope someday to to write a book and to publish a book and i realized that stuff like stephen pressfield talks in this about in this book resistance procrastination fear it holds me back but after reading this and realizing that stuff's holding me back okay i realized that i feel motivated i need to start i need to start writing it again i've got some ideas down right but then that motivation can quickly die down and that's Mm -hmm. it the spark's gone and i'll sit back for another Half year, year, and I'll be like, oh, mate, uh, I. Sh- uh, if I would started, if I would started that book idea I had a year ago, I could have, I could have had it several hundred. Uh, I could have had a hundred pages done by now. But if I follow what Stephen Pressfield and other people like Jocko Willink, who's a ex Navy Seal, he says discipline equals freedom, and that's if you put in the work, you'll realize how much you accomplish, and. It's it's like with writing, and I think you're probably the same. You you get that you get a you get that idea, you get that flash of inspiration, and you're like, oh, this is an amazing idea. Let me write about it. But then if you don't keep consistency with it, your motivation to stick with it will patter out. It's like a, another example is you've you've been doing a lot of fitness stuff recently, haven't you? You've been running, you've been working out.
1: Well, I wouldn't say that I've got much fitter, but. Yeah, I've been on few more runs.
0: But that—that's the thing. You have to stay consistent with that, isn't it? To you see yourself yeah, improve. Is key. And I think it's the same with the creative endeavor, like writing. For for us, is we have to stay consistent to
1: see improvement, to see the work build. Well, you say that, but where's the consistency from George R.R. R. Martin? <laughs> and he's multi-millionaire. Well, he he's got quite a few more books out than we do, Tom. So. <laughs> Well, true. I think I am the same as you, Henry, and I do agree with you, but where you will read something about mindfulness or someone else achieving something, and you'll get your inspiration from that, I'll read a blog or a website which has practical advice on things like uh, setting up a safe space to write or setting aside a certain period of the day to always write or something like that, and then I'll try and implement those techniques. Mm and see if they work and, and that's where I get my inspiration from oh, I wasn't expecting the checklist I wasn't expecting the holy grail of motivational speeches but I was I was hoping I, I might get my inspiration from practical advice mm. and I don't think there was any enough of that in War of Art except for just do it which <laughs> is obvious that's all I was trying to say mm. not enough I respond well to practical advice and I didn't get that from this book fair enough well I, I i i do agree with you that i did get lost a little bit towards the end of it but i'm glad that
0: i reread it and yeah definitely the bit the bit about resistance i think i
1: needed to hear that again for my own sake it is good it, it does hit the nail on the head and i think everyone who reads that anyone who's wanted to achieve something creative will read that and go yeah no, i've i've gone through something yeah. in this section. so i
0: think i think that part in its in its in its essence, is practical in the way because you can see that within yourself and be like, okay, this is where I'm holding myself back. But it's, it's then up to you, as you as you said, the clear message of the book is put in the work. It is then down to you to realise this is what holding me back, but I need to put in the work to achieve that. Do you think that's a
1: good yes. summation? That is a good summation, and I was disappointed because the blurb suggested it otherwise. Mm. So if someone picks up this book and they see, oh, this is this will be good advice to help you be more creative and productive, it actually won't. It's going to be some tough love and some eye-opening advice, yes, but you're not going to see an immediate improvement in production and creativity, because that actually comes from yeah. you. So don't go into it expecting this is going to be a good guide. It, it won't.
0: Well, I think if it if it encourages you to put in the work itself, then I think it's done its job.
1: Well. Arguably,
0: <laughs> uh, well, we can we can agree. It didn't encourage <laughs> me. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that it did with me. Uh, so we can agree to disagree on this one. I think we picked out we both picked out some bits that we got from it, and I think we agreed on yeah. certain bits that we found a bit more challenging with it. But have you read any other books that you want to bring up, Tom? Or I, I mean, we have been talking. <laughs> we've been talking about each one's taken about almost
1: half an hour to talk about. So. We've had a lot to talk about this episode. Yeah. So we
0: need to talk about
1: something other than books? Is there a show or anything?
0: Yes, let's move on. So Falcon and Winter yes, Soldier, that's been a that.
1: big one recently. Okay, controversial thing. I finished it. I am liking it more than WandaVision. Uh, not controversial because I actually think Yay! I agree. I think it's just, <laughs> I think the first few episodes of WandaVision really let it down for me. Yes, they were cute and they were whimsical and they were funny at times.
0: But that's the Falcon and Winter Soldier gets straight yeah, to the I action. Hate, In the very you first call me episode, a stereotypical episode it man. Gets but
1: that's just straight to the action. That's what I care about. Uh, uh,
0: it's a shame. We can't really do a spoiler discussion because you haven't seen the last episode I yet. No. But no, we'll, we'll save that for a future, future episode. But oh, the final episode is so good. So well done. But oh. I'll just leave it at that, but overall, just some of the action action sequences have been phenomenal. Yes,
1: although um, uh, I'm not, I think the actress is great and the character is great but I just wanted to say that the character of Carly is not threatening enough to be a villain for me. She doesn't scare, strike me as someone who would be committing acts of terrorism or the other things she does to try and keep it spoiler free. She doesn't. She just seems very. Um, not what you'd expect. Yeah, but I think. I that think might that's be the point, isn't it? Part of.
0: Yeah, I think that is. like she. She's In a way, she's fighting for a cause that she believes in, and it's. of course, what she's doing isn't right, but in some ways, her, the way her character's portrayed is, is quite a human villain in a way you can understand what she's doing you don't necessarily agree with what she's doing but like uh, sam in the show he kind of understands why she's doing it but he doesn't agree with her method of what she's doing yeah whereas someone like oh this i guess slightly spoilery here, uh zemo mm. he's i love his <laughs> he, still he, kind of the, oh, he, he he is absolutely fantastic yes, in is. this show I guess it's not spoilers because he's been shown off in the trailers mm. and everything. But he he is, although you can tell he's got some sort of nefarious stuff working on in the background, and the way he's been like cajoled to working with the main characters, but he still employs his sort of evil trickstery methods. He becomes across as more threatening. He does, doesn't
1: than he? Carly does. He seems worse than the person that meant to be. They help. He needs to help to track down.
0: Yeah. I've, what's your opinion on um, Walker because
1: on oh, what US uh, agent
0: yeah you spo- uh, I guess it's not spoilers if you know the comics and everything but if, <laughs> there's a friend of mine who thinks he's just he's like why are they just constantly like being a why is everyone being a dick
1: to him he just has that sort of face you I, got I, to punch though doesn't he he does have that sort <laughs> of really dislikable look about him this, this, this thing, I think because I knew the comic
0: book Info about him. I understand that he's kind of like meant to be an anti-hero, He's a bit darker. I the only like, one who's
1: never heard of the comic book character U.S. Agent? Because everyone else I've spoken to is like, "Oh yeah, I read the comics." I'm like, "Oh."
0: My friend was like, "Why? Why are they? Why are they like? Why is everyone being a dick to him?" And like, he's just trying to do his job and everything. And I was like, "If, if it's just because they're setting up for the character he's gonna be in the future. It's interesting because they, they set him on sort of on a sort of begins to spiral." in the episodes it's almost like uh, particularly when he gets the okay going into spoiler territory here when he gets the super soldier serum he almost begins to spiral in. it it's like they say uh the serum reveals your true nature so with steve rogers he was a good man it just amplified him as a good good man whereas walker he's not a bad person but he seems to have some like struggles like internal struggles almost like ptsd in a way and that seems to be amplified by the serum particularly with the end of the uh, episode where with the
1: shield and the smashing yeah. <laughs> yes and to answer your friend's question on why does everyone hate on this guy it's because he essentially everything he does drags steve's name through the mud by showing up taking his place and doing some of the stuff he does in the episodes people don't like him the other characters and especially the fans because they do not he's replacing and not living up to Captain America.
0: It's, it's like the memes I've seen on Instagram, where it's like, Steve never introduced himself as Captain America. It's like, I'm Steve Rogers, I'm Steve, yeah. nice to meet you. Whereas this guy, oh, uh, I'm Captain America, I'm Captain America, I'm Captain I, America. I am
1: Captain America. Yeah, that's a clear example. Or um, yeah. that way back in Captain America, the first Avenger, Dr. Erskine, I think it is, says they, for the serum, they don't need a good soldier. They need a good man and steve rogers yeah, that's is a good I, man. and yeah Walker, that's what i alluded to earlier yeah he's a good soldier
0: yeah it just amplifies him yeah he's better at combat but he's more ruthless in a way just as a soldier is trained to be yeah exactly whereas steve steve was always just, he was a good man yeah it's interesting and uh again like i can't remember whether we talked about this in the previous eps in the previous episode. But the very first episode of the series, I love the duality between Sam and Bucky, where yeah. it was a it was the first episode, but it was almost like two mini episodes where they followed Sam's story and they followed Bucky's story. And it's interesting to see how like Bucky's been coping with his New Life. Again, his, his yeah, his own PTSD and his guilt over the actions he committed as Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. That's been really, really good to see. Ah, oh, it's annoying because you you haven't seen the latest episodes so there's, oh, it's just this bit certain bits that I want to talk about but which I can't. <laughs> without I'm sorry, explaining. I didn't have the chance to today.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I I agree with you. I think although I love the second half of Wonder Vision, I think Winter Soldier has gripped me straight from this. I have, I have a what did you think of episode three? Where it was more
1: it was almost more like a spy thriller. Is that the one where they went to Magical? um, Yeah. That was my favourite episode episode. in Magical. That was my favourite episode. I mean, just just a clip of Zemo dancing. I could watch that for hours.
0: Oh, <laughs> that was absolutely. Have you have you seen? As soon as the episode came out, everyone was like, "Release the Zemo cut! Yeah, release the Zemo yeah. cut to show and the they full." Did.
1: They actually Marvel did release an extended. All the... they had loads of deleted scenes of him doing more dancing, so they released that. I'm pretty it was certain.
0: Absolutely hilarious.
1: And I was just like, "Why is he me at any party I've ever been to?" That's that. That is literally me trying to dance. I have no rhythm. Just awkwardly dancing. Yep. With whiskey. That is me. Uh, and and that's the well, thing. Well, walking where, around the flat in my dressing gown. Yeah. Eating sweets.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Where they, where, where everyone's fighting in his in his apartment, and he just <laughs> and has like, he yes has he do. has a drink,
1: and then just sneaks out. <laughs> yeah, that is good. Well, I, well, when Bucky goes, looking strong, John.
0: I agree. Like the action just immediately suck. It's interesting. It, it is going. Sorry, going back. Sorry. It's Interesting that you said episode three was your favourite because so I loved the sort it was very spy thriller and because there wasn't a whole lot of action to it but it was very sort of almost espionage like what do you mean there and wasn't it, a whole there was loads of action in okay, it. yeah there was loads of action but it was almost like a spy thriller compared to like a superhero film yes, yes I know and what you mean I, it, it, it gave me Winter Soldier vibes because good because you, know, you was in it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember when uh, Captain America Winter Soldier originally came out they sold it as like a spy thriller superhero film and it out of all the episodes it did kind of give me that oh
1: <coughs> when you said you had Winter Soldier vibes you meant the film not the character yeah yeah oh sorry I missed that <laughs> I was like well obviously Henry he's yes, there yes
0: yes yes okay I'm not that thick but yeah I think it's been it's there's the thing, I there's there's rumors that there might be a second season and I I hope there are. I hope there are because it's so well done. Well, I'll have to take your
1: word for it because I haven't seen
0: that last episode. Yeah. But I I feel I, I'm like what are we going to talk about now cuz cuz once this is this is now finished and now we've got to wait till June for lo, the Loki series to come out.
1: Like our, our Disney oh, Plus Oh what's happening s- between now and June? Disney Plus well, What else is going to be released Marvel wise? Uh, well, I think I think Black
0: Widow was, but then that's been pushed back to July again. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for our next uh, Marvel fix.
1: Not acceptable, Henry. I'm holding you responsible for this. I'm not Kevin
0: Feige. I don't run Marvel.
1: I've got to blame someone, Henry. I'm
0: just the closest party available.
1: Yes, yes, you are. But yeah, explain we'll... yourself.
0: <laughs> but, oh, the, the, the finale is fantastic, and I can't wait for you to watch it we we we'll have well, we'll have to briefly discuss it in the next episode books for next month so mm-hmm. originally i was going to suggest a book to you and then we happened to I was to be, already
1: reading it yes
0: <laughs> you were already reading it i was going it was a book i'd been introduced to someone i thought oh this is a change it's a fantasy book i haven't read it i haven't heard Tom I was so about
1: about you recommended a fantasy book i was like yes yes them. and then you were like oh i'm already halfway through it and i was like Okay. <laughs> at the time I was actually only one or two chapters in actually. No fair. I'd literally just started. Um so, but yeah, I finished it now. It was really good. I've let you I've let you do the copy I have. Yep. So the book we're talking about is The Poppy War. By Rebecca Quang. Yeah.
0: I and hope it's I'm saying that A right. sort of like uh mystic Chinese magic tale. Is it is it you you describe it? It's not like, historical fiction, it is kind of sort of fantasy, but with a lot of... It is fantasy. It's not
1: set on Earth at all. Oh, okay. Um, it's not on Earth. The Poppy War has nothing to do with the Opium War Wars of the of the 18th century. It's definitely set in a fantasy world. They have magic, for God's sake. <laughs> Pun intended. You'll get what I mean when I say God's sake later. Anyway, it, the book is, from what I can understand from reading a few reviews, it's, it, the last part of it is the horrors of war. I mean, Chinese history has got a lot of horrific things happening in it. So it's no surprise that a, 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 a book set in the fantasy world inspired by Chinese history would be set up to show how horrible war can actually be. Because so much fantasy these days has, oh, heroism, valor, winning, <laughs> uh, uh, associated with war. Yeah. And actually... This book shows, well, no, this is what Boar's actually like. So that's a major theme. But it also has a really, what I think is a really interesting and unique medical system as well.
0: Nice. But yeah, it was, it was funny because it had been recommended to me. And I thought, oh, I'll recommend this to Tom and it can be our next our next read in the podcast. And I brought it up to you and like, oh, wait, I'm already reading that. <laughs> it was like, oh, perfect. So you, Then you're a step ahead for the next podcast. That's right. I was going to say that's the only book I've got to recommend at the moment because I've got a stack of books on my shelf at the moment that I want to read so (laughs) those ones I kind of want to get what we
1: normally do we both read a book we haven't read yeah I recommend a book to you and you recommend a book to me yeah and you're saying you would rather I didn't recommend a book for you today because you have so many to get on with. Yeah,
0: unless you have a very short book that you can recommend to me.
1: Well, the, uh, the books on yourself, is there a fantasy or science fiction book other than the popular book? Apart from
0: the uh, sequels to the First Law Trilogy,
1: new... No. <laughs> There's a book on whiskey, if you'd fancy reading that. <laughs> Read the sequel to the First Law Trilogy. That's my book I recommend to you. It's on your pile so you can't complain. But oh, I, want, on, wait, I, no, I I wanna no, read the spin-offs read first. Yeah, you need to read the spin-offs first. Read the first spin-off. I have. It was Best Served Cold. Uh second even. Uh but that's a long one. <laughs> it's not that long. It's not, it's not long. longer than Best Serve Cold, I don't think.
0: Oh okay. Alright. I'll look at picking that up then. Um, called The Heroes. Okay. Uh well I have two books on whiskey that I wanna read. One is about a bourbon distillery in america and sort of one i've heard about podcast on a podcast and the other one is about the history of whiskey do either of those two strike your fancy what else have you got uh i've got various books on philosophy Um, what else have you got i have a very i have the second book in the ken follett of Giants series, but I described the first one to you and that didn't appeal. I have one called Wayfinding, which is sort of geography related. I, you said you've got about a dozen books to read on your shelf as well when we last, a dozen. last spoke. Let's say we'll read The Poppy War and if I can uh, I'll try and pick up the other Joe Abercrombie book and I'll get through a few more
1: of the books on my shelf as well. Uh, yeah, and the books of my sales. I'm sure I can find a few interesting ones to talk about. Yeah. Well, I think we've we've definitely got plenty
0: to read. So we'll definitely cover the poppy war in the future episode, and we will try and see what else we can squeeze in as well. Now I do have a quote for us to finish oh, the episode. Oh, good. Then I can save some of my backlog of quotes. There. Yeah. In books, we never find anything but ourselves. Strangely enough, that always gives us great pleasure. And we say the author is a genius. Thomas Mann is a good quote. I quite like That's that. Quote. With that, we will bring this episode to a close. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode. And we hope to see you next time. Take care, keep safe and stay well. Thank you for listening. Bye.
1: Bye.